Welcome to the Everything Coworking Podcast, where you learn what you need to know about how the world wants to work. And now your host, co-working space owner and trend expert, Jamie Russo. Welcome to episode 199 of the Everything Coworking Podcast. This is your host, Jamie Russo. Thank you for joining me. So today's guest was on the podcast way back in 2017. Can you believe how long we've been doing this? On episode number 48. And when she was on last time, she talked about demystifying the corporate co-working client. At, at the time, she was president of Preferred Office Network. She is now the COO of Expansive, which was formerly Novel Coworking, which was formerly Level Office. So <laughs> I originally reached out to Chris not to talk about her rebranding process, but I was creating some training on Google My Business reviews for our community manager university students. And I was searching for good examples to show because as I've talked about on the podcast, many operators sort of ignored Google My Business reviews for the year of 2020, which I get, but poses some challenges with our Google algorithms. So I was encouraging our community manager university students to get back on it and get their reviews done. And actually we had two, we did a, we ran a challenge we had two community managers that got over 20 new reviews the month we did the training, which I think was February. So anyway, I was looking around for examples to share and I looked at what was then novel and was just astounded by the volume of positive, authentic reviews that they had consistently gotten in 2020. And I reached out to Chris and I was like, Chris, what's going on here? This is amazing. How are you doing this? And so she responded and I said, can we talk about this on the podcast? But I could talk shop with Chris for hours. She has such an interesting background. I promise you she's not that old. She is, I'm pretty sure she's just about my age. So we will not date her. But she started her career with Regis, was there for 10 years in senior roles, and then became president of Preferred Office Network, which is becoming more important than ever. Please check them out if you haven't. If you have private space, Preferred Office Network helps individual boutique operators get corporate members who are looking for space, particularly in the US. I think they also operate in Canada. So they're becoming a very important marketing tool for independent operators. We have linked to them in the show notes. So Regis, Preferred Office Network, and now COO of Novel slash Expansive. And I also have to call out that some of these transitions were spurred by relationships that Chris made at the GWA conferences. Chris was also recently on the GWA board, which is partly how I know her and have gotten to know her better. But the in-person networking that happens at conferences is magical, and we can't wait to get back to it. The GWA is postponing their in-person conference for 2021, but they will be back in 2022. So make sure you, you set aside some budget and make that a priority for 2022. Okay, so before I dive into my discussion with Chris, I want to mention we just on the last episode did a deep dive into the 
2021 Tech and Tools Guide, which is a guide we've done for the past few years. It's the Coworking Tech and Tools Guide. And we basically present the top tools for coworking spaces in their tech stack across buckets such as marketing, member billing, conference room reservations, mail client, lead gen partners, et cetera. And it's really to kind of get you thinking about, you know, what might be missing in your own tech stack, what others are using. And these, the guide is built on the results from a survey we distributed in December, as well as top picks for members of the Everything Coworking Flight Groups and Community Ma- Community Manager University. So if you don't yet have your copy, grab it at everythingcoworking.com forward slash tech and tools 2021. We will link up to that in the show notes as well. Now let's dive into my conversation with Chris. Thank you for joining me today. Chris, just so you know, in the intro that I already recorded, I think I said, I hope you don't try to make yourself sound old because I think we're roughly the same age. And so (laughs) let's not make us older than we are. Um, But you were just saying you started in this industry in 1999. Party like it's 1999. 1999. (laughs) Yeah, I was in grad school right out of college. So that makes us look really young. Totally. Fabulous. Yep. Yep. 40 is the new 30. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So I started with Omni offices. My very, very first job was to write sales agreements for the sales team. I would take the sales agreements that they wrote on the car- carbon copy of uh, documents. <laughs> okay. That's them into the sales system. Isn't that, now I did date myself there, but you know, they would, they would put them on my desk. And I, I jokingly say that salespeople can't be bothered, right. To type up their own agreements because they're busy selling. So we had a whole team at Omni who did that for you. We had 24 locations, primarily based in Atlanta, and we were the biggest, which is funny. We didn't, Regis was in Europe. There was a company called Vantas that we competed against, but it really was just Omni Offices and HQ, the franchise. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So Regis bought my company in 2004, but HQ bought Omni and then Regis bought HQ in 2004. And that's how I got to Regis. Massive consolidation back then. Yeah. Yep. And I stayed in corporate accounts pretty much my whole my whole life until, yeah, I was a regional vice president for Regis for a while in the end, and then preferred office network, you know, uh, is a corporate enterprise client company, and then um, and then now enter- expansive. So the last time you were on the podcast was, I think, 2017, which is mind-blowing. <laughs> yeah. So anybody who wants to re-listen to Chris, it was actually a great episode and is a great kind of overview of how Preferred Office Network works, which I think is even more relevant today, possibly, given what we just went through. So episode number 48, if you want to go back and listen to that episode. So Chris, I want to dive in. So you are now the COO of what is now Expansive, which has gone through two name changes. So we're going to talk a little bit about rebranding, a little bit about your business model and how it shifted, you know, post 2020. And then a little bit about your net promoter relationship and your amazing Google My Business reviews. And if we have time, a little bit about your corporate culture, which I think is really interesting. So first we need to start with the name change. So level to novel to expansive. And name changing is a big deal because you take an SEO hit, you got to re-educate everybody. Talk about kind of what drove that and what it's been like to be in the middle of that. I wonder if there are folks kind of thinking about that post. Yeah, yeah. I was actually, I read an article recently about all the companies who have changed their names recently. And it's been, there's been several. 
So first of all, I love the name expansive. So I want to talk about that just a little bit. Expansive truly tells the story about what we do. And I, I don't know how many people know this, but our company has a commercial leasing side, property management. We have a self-storage business, a very robust parking business, which people don't think about, but there's a lot of money in that. And then an events business, which I'm really proud of that I run, I get a chance to do sales again. So that's really fun for me. And all of these things, right? So you walk through the doors of a building and you hear the word expansive and you think, okay, what is that? And in our world now, not only can our clients expand, right? Not only can you be a traditional tenant, take a commercial lease, a whole floor, you can be a smart suite client, which our enterprise clients love. You can take a private office and upgrade or downgrade from there. But also think about this while you're there, you can have all of your corporate retreats on the rooftop patio, uh, yeah, your self-storage, right? All your documents can be in the self-storage right there on site where you can reference them, you know, quickly. And right. Easily. When you downsize your office and you're like, what am I going to do with all this? Right. Right. And, <laughs> yeah. and even, you know, the apartment complexes across the street, right? So now they need a storage unit for their Easter bunny and, you know, their Christmas stuff. And they come in and they realize, wow, this company offers flexible office. I can move my office here or all of my staff. So it really, truly, when you hear that story and you hear the word expansive, you hear this truly is an opportunity to be, you know, to blow up and to have all of these products under one umbrella. And so the name change, uh, you know, there's there's that piece, the, the part about the name and actually it finally fitting who we are right? So we're really excited about that. This should be the last time. I hope that it is. Um, Wait, Chris, I have to ask, who initiates the name change? Who's like, this "This isn't right? Well, (laughs) I think it doesn't, uh, we can talk honestly about the word co-working and how it sort of had a super spreader vibe to it over the last few months. And while we did a really good job during COVID of creating protection, uh, we social distance our lounges really well. We created new products. We actually refurnished all of our lounges, moved all of our co-working clients into private offices. We've doubled our virtual office presence. So all of the things that I'm sure my colleagues in the industry all have also experienced. But the word co-working was tricky. And I'll tell you, the word co-working was tricky for our events business. So Sarah Weiss, who works for me and is awesome, who runs events, she would schedule a wedding for a Saturday in Denver on the rooftop. And the customer would come and see co-working on the door and feel like they didn't know where they were. So we were all having these conversations internally as a company, talking about does the name Novel Co-working, which by the way, nobody pronounced novel correctly. I don't know why <laughs> you put a book like you you put novel co-working in a book, a novel. Novel. Just call it novel, like Target. Novel. It drove yeah. us crazy. <laughs> it particularly drove Bill crazy. We all cringed every time it happened. So you've got that. You've got the name doesn't fit who we truly are. We wanted a bigger, more inclusive name, and we wanted co-working out. And we wanted our events business to be able to be expansive venues, right? So now we've created an umbrella parent company called Expansive, Expansive, right? And in Expansive, you have expansive venues, you know, then you have this expansive self-storage product, the commercial leasing product, flexible office, which is called Expansive Workspace. And the word workspace is a great word. 
Yeah. And we, I love that word and I'm glad we can use it for the flexible product. Yeah. So, I mean, as much as it's a giant hassle, right. And expensive, we have to (laughs) rebrand our names. We put our names on the buildings too. We like, we like people to know this is ours. So um, we're trying to be as cost effective as possible and, you know, do our signage in smart ways. It gives you a chance to uh, update your colors, which I love. Have you seen our new expansive branding? Uh, It's a teal and navy blue, really good color. Yellow backpacks go away. The I'll probably still use my yellow backpack. (laughs) So we kept orange. We kept what we call laughing orange. Um, That's the name of the color. It's a good color too. It's a happy color. But we kept that color in our branding. But we'll we'll transition to whites and grays and navy and teal. And okay, so I'm excited about that. Yeah, I feel like the way you described it, I was just talking to Kane Wilmot yesterday and we were trying to name something and we were stuck on the word co-working because it's not in it's widely used, right? Especially by the mm-hmm. media. It's it doesn't really reflect, especially right. the model that you have that's so inclusive. And what a great time because people's mindsets are shifting. Like this opportunity, you know, people talk about sort of the, you know, the 15 minute city and, and you guys yeah. have all these amenities and all these things that people can do with your brand and near home. And so it's, it's reflective of this big sort of paradigm shift that has been accelerated. So that's cool. You have how many locations now? We have 43 and our flexible your, product is in on your 39. Update. I counted 30. Well, you're going to count. <laughs> so we have 39 locations that have the flexible office product inside of it. Okay. And then we have four buildings that will ultimately add our flexible office product to when they gain some availability. They're Bill bought these buildings over time and they don't have any availability. They're full. So Darn we want to put flex yeah. in there. <laughs> uh, we can't wait to add it. But so we have 39, we have 43 locations and 39 of them have co-working. They have and flex office, office flex workspace. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Can you talk about what your typical building looks like once you've gotten sort of the mix that is maybe what you're shooting for? Yeah, that's a great question. The way we build out our buildings. So we buy, we we say we buy broken buildings and make them beautiful. And we really look for really incredible downtown locations that might be today in the center of all the action, right? In the best parts of town. Or they might be just shy of the growth pattern, right? I I think about 1630 Welton in Denver. This building wasn't quite where it was at when we bought it. But within a year or two, the the city embraced that building and all around that building. And now it's an amazing building. It's in a great location. It has an amazing rooftop patio. So we did, you know, we, we did pick well. We do a very good job of that. Our acquisitions team is excellent. Uh, so we buy these broken buildings and they might be 30 or 40% occupied. They might be 80% occupied. And then we recraft the stock, the stacking plan to create and put the lounge floor wherever uh, we want it to be. And sometimes we have to pick a floor that we might not have picked. So sometimes we have to pick the seventh floor and we really wanted the ninth floor because it has better ceilings heights or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think about Cincinnati our Cincinnati lounge floor is amazing. It's the perfect floor. It has floor to ceiling windows. It's beautiful. And it happened to be a a floor we could get for our lounge. 
So we try to accommodate our traditional tenants and also put our flexible product in the right in the right spot. And then over time, as the traditional tenants vacate the building, we add the flexible office product to those floors. So we'll build a floor of suites. Our suites product is really hot. Our smart suites are, you know, elect our electric locks are smart, touchpad enabled. We have Alexa in all of our suites, which are really cool. So our clients really like those. So we would build a lounge floor and at least one private office floor and one or two suites floors. Ideally, that's how we enter a market. Each of those floors has conference rooms. If we're going to put an event space in the building, we do that when we open. Like in Columbia, South Carolina right now, we're adding, we're taking the lounge floor. It has private offices all around it. And it is also right off of the roof deck. So it worked out nicely for us in Columbia because we were able to put the co-working lounge floor, flexible office lounge floor off of the patio. And then we build the flexible office product throughout the building as we get vacancies and as clients move out. My favorite buildings especially are those with really great retail in the ground floor. So in Indianapolis, we have a Starbucks in our lobby and it's Mm -hmm. awesome. I mean, Mm -hmm. really nice restaurants. (laughs) People love that, right? So that that would be ideal. We don't always have it, but where we can, we try to we try to have that. So is your philosophy always to start converting to flex or what if you have a high credit tenant that wants the space? We will take it. We'll we'll weigh the two options and take the best deal. And it depends on the TI dollars and the price for flex and the occupancy of the flexible product. So in Savannah right now, this is a good example. We have um, we we have a tremendous amount of demand and not enough vacancy to build the flexible office product. We're going to add two new floors there in the next couple of months, and we feel like it'll immediately uh, sell. So in Savannah is a great example of a building that we could use more flexible office product. The faster we could build it, we know we could sell it better. Yeah. Yeah. But in a market like um, I'm thinking of Minneapolis uh, would be a good market right now for this. If a good credit tenant, like a bank or a quality tenant wanted to take a whole floor of commercial office space and sign a five-year lease, we would do that in that market. Just to kind of back up for the audience, you always own the buildings and then roughly how many square feet are the buildings or a range? They all, range. they all vary, but we are buying bigger buildings now and we're finding more success in our larger footprint buildings. It is, uh, we have buildings like 73 West Monroe in Chicago was our very first building. We all love this building because it's our first baby and it's it's adorable. It has, you know, a, a great uh, sandwich shop in the lobby. What's it's, the sandwich shop that's in the lobby? It is Pret. Oh Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so far everybody likes that in Chicago. And and when and everything's novel. Every everything is novel. Everything is expansive. Everything's flex, right? So okay. you walk in the lobby of the building, you can go down to the basement, you're in this really cute lobby, and you can take all five floors and be suites products and private offices the entire way. But there's nothing else to build. So we've run out of the ability to convert the traditional office space and and gain new occupancy that we don't already have. And this opportunity cost of not having any more space is big. Whereas in Savannah, like I said, we're ready to go. We're going to build two new floors and the revenue in that building will go through the roof when we, when we add those two new floors. 
So yeah. I would say, you know, 10 to 15 stories. That's probably our current sweet spot. This would be a better question for Bill, but <laughs> I need to get Bill on I the podcast and talk real estate. Today. And yeah. So yeah. I'm curious about your product mix. I'd love to have you describe a smart suite. I've seen your space in Denver, but I pre-rooftop deck for sure. It was early. I must, I think I was in town and Bill was there and it was fairly, I remember construction. So seeing okay. some of it. So I remember touring what I think were your smart suites, but I'd love to hear you talk about any shifts post COVID or did your product mix turn out to be right on, you know, based on where we're going today, yeah. because you build the opportunity in your building is really what everybody's talking about now, right? Like how do you mm-hmm. give people ultimate flexibility, which is a little bit of, you know, it's really what you're doing. And you yeah, people, I yeah. will tell you, this is the reason I came to work here. Aside from, you know, clearly Bill's persuasive skills, <laughs> right? He is quite the salesman, but, and smart. And I, I really am lucky to work with such a smart person. I like being educated and he's a professor and, you know, all of that. But aside from that, I was selling enterprise clients into this product that Bill and and Expansive had figured out how to how to bring to market Perfect. and nobody yeah. else was doing it and here's this product called a smart suite and what is a smart suite so I came and toured and I thought uh-oh this is the future this product is the future yeah. and so now we're even doing something else that's really cool we're building club suites on top of our smart suite so talking about the product mix for a second post covid private offices are hot yeah we still sell co-working memberships, but we fine-tuned that product really, really tight. We no longer offer 24-7 access to a co-working client. The price is higher. We don't have beer on tap anymore. We're ratcheting up our professionalism and our grown-up office environment. I think everybody's moving in that direction. You know, maybe it was a fad and maybe it's over. And I'm happy to see as the COO, I'm happy to see that one go away. <laughs> as a um, COO, it's easier to not have beer on tap. <laughs> God, what a mess. Please lock your kegs at night. Please, please lock your kegs. Okay. And then, um, so that's private offices. And then, uh, and then we, we had smart suites. So we kind of went from here to this great product called smart suites and a smart suite is perfect for an enterprise client where we have a lot of demand for these. I think smart suites, June and July, they're going to be on fire. They have private kitchens. We try to make them accessible to the rooftops and the patios. So it's our best space. And we take care of those clients. You get your your logo in the lobby. You get your name in the directory. It's as close to being your building as it can be with somebody else paying the utility bills, right? It has Alexa. I think I mentioned that. And inside of all of our smart suites is a conference room dedicated solely to that company. And our clients are really excited about that right now. All of our conference rooms are Alexa enabled. They have smart TVs. So you walk into the conference room, you can project, you can have your meetings there, uh, you can bring your clients straight to your suite. And like I said, it has a private kitchen. So you avoid all of these common areas that I think people are still skeptical about. Yep. It's also um, just feels like your space, right? Yeah. And for some yeah. folks, I was on a call with um, a gentleman in Tucson and he's like, you know, we have this group in our, they have, an, they have a couple of offices, but he's like, they, they're part of like a, you know, $3 billion company, whatever. He's like, so mm-hmm. he's like, they want to feel 
like they have their own space, but they love the experience. Yeah. So they're going to move them into a spec suite that's branded and, you know, all the things. So they Absolutely. love the experience, but they have that like, but we're grownups and we would like, you know, we that's would so like right. to feel, I mean, yeah, it's interesting. It's so right. And Jamie, we see this, we see our suite clients participate in our community events better than anybody. Right. Well, so I love that, that you said that because I think that's probably one of the, and not everybody has to be in it for the community, right? Because that's not just not always the case, but they're humans too, who love to meet right. people and love to hang out and right. It's true. I mean, you've got in a, in a smart suite, you probably have people who travel, right? And then you have employees who don't travel, come to the office every day, but there might be fewer of those folks. And then you host a community event. We did an Easter egg hunt the other day and I laughed at the pictures because the sweet clients were running around with Easter baskets. It's adorable. Um, but you know, it. they're looking for this golden egg because it was to the restaurant. Uh, the gift certificate was to the restaurant in the building that everyone loves is a Mediterranean right. food. So anyway, uh, the, the sweet clients, I'm, I'm always really happy to see them participating in the community down in the lounge, drinking coffee with the clients coming to our events, you know, participating in the app. So we share, we have a community app that we, we custom built and they share in the app just as well as our office clients who have their kitchen is the shared kitchen, yeah. but they, they still do participate in all of that. So that's nice. And so to that end, we built a Club Suites product, and this is new, and we are launching it in Columbia and Albany first. And what this will be is, if you think about the Delta Crown Room, it's this private floor that's just for you. It's an elite and a membership floor. And these suites don't have kitchens inside the suites, but they have a kitchen of their own on the floor. So a Club Suite is a multiple offices and a conference room, and then this shared elite kitchen on the floor. So you still have, to your point, this, I'm grown up, I want my own space. And you still have that. You have one or two or three offices in a conference room, typically one office in a conference room, like a bullpen space, and then a private restroom on your floor. And then this private kitchen on your floor that only the spec, only the club suites clients can access. Totally. Or like the Starwood model, like when you go to a Marriott or whatever, and they have the club level floor. Yeah. Are there containers of M&Ms that I would eat too many of? (laughs) There will not be any M&Ms. Well, let me say this. If there are any M&Ms, I don't know about it, but I'm sure they'll make their way up there from the, from the honor market, but they'll have their own refrigerators and, you know, a sink and just this ability to separate a little, like you said, but be part of the community and yeah. And be in this shared environment that everything is plug and play. Yeah, I'm ready to go for you. So who's the t- who who's, will be the sort of user of that? Who's the ideal? Like, oh, these people are a great fit for the club suite. What's their my profile? guess? That's going to be a, an interesting question. My guess is uh, it will be smaller smart suites clients. It will be the clients who want that autonomy yeah. and this private environment. This logo on the door, you know, their identity is theirs but that they don't need as much space as what a current smart suite might have. Yeah. And I'm curious, did the smart suites, I have to think you didn't sell many of those in 2020. We didn't sell as many smart suites, but we didn't lose as many either. Um, yeah. People wanted to hang on to that. Yeah. They hung on to them and they had, um, they had flexible hours for their teams. And so it wasn't uncommon to see the accounts payable department in a smart suite for a big client from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. 
And I know this because we varied the hours for our community managers to be able to come in and do the mail and the packages. And we would see teams of people using their suites, but spreading out in their suites. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And we have started to sell smart suites again. The activity is on. So it's very encouraging. Good. I feel like that enterprise user I shared in my newsletter yesterday, I have this neighbor who works for Facebook and long story short, she has this team. Half of them have never met in person. They've now all been vaccinated. They wanted to meet. And she was like going through all these crazy options for where to meet. And I was like, Monica, co-working space. They have great meeting rooms, coffee, whiteboard, you know, all the things. She's like, well, I can't, I'm not allowed to meet yet. So I can't expense it. And she's like, I'm not going to spend hundreds of dollars like meeting. And I was like, oh, right. HR, you know, is still in some case. Interesting. Moving, yeah. And, I mean, because Facebook's headquartered in California, right? And so we're moving a little slowly on the... Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, you tell Facebook, they can rent my... <laughs> they can have it. They can come and meet at an expansive building, San Diego, uh, San Jose, for free. We would love to have Ooh, them. That's the, you know, it's so funny you said that because I, I did have that moment of, I wonder if someone would let them in for free because she had she's never been in a co-working space. Right. And now they're going to have this freedom to not be on campus all the time. Honestly, send them to San Jose. I will send them to San Jose. Do it. (laughs) That plate and free. Tell them Chris Elliott sent me and it's no charge. So it's good to hear that those decisions are being made. So are you sitting on any like 200 person team suites that? Yeah. And will those, what's your outlook on those? The, we have some really big pending deals. And when I say pending, uh, we're, we're trying to be creative and say, why don't we sign now and have a flexible start date? Yeah. And to your point, I think, I think the slowdown is happening at the corporate office. Totally. It's, yeah, exactly. It's like Mike like, ready to meet, but HR yes. is like, well, we're not going to take your, we're not going to expense your, your receipt. It's true. <laughs> It's yeah. true. I think I think as soon as we can get corporate on board with signing that people are ready to come back out. And we talk we've been talking internally with the operations team. We're going to do um some Chick-fil-A training around my pleasure and this customer service experience. And we're talking we're talking a lot about emerging. And emerge emerge is a great word right now, right? Yeah. It's we're talking about ourselves, right? I'm vaccinated and I can't wait. I did a tour Florida tour last week of five locations and I couldn't wait to get in there and, and see my team. And, you know, to the extent that they'll hug you, I tried sometimes trying they will. to go in for the hug. <laughs> I'm like, I'm Southern and they're, some of them had it and some didn't no judgment, but yeah, I mean, I think, I feel like we're ready to get back out. Both the employees are ready. The corporate contacts are ready. Clients are ready. I have a, a vendor right now that we've been doing business with. That's trying to get me to come have drinks with them. And I mean, everybody's just tired of being at home. So I, I'm, I'm very excited about the Smart Suites product. I, I'm excited about Club Suites for people who are growing and having a really fast track towards a Smart Suite of their own. Uh, I'll be interested to see if Club Suites clients want their own private kitchen because there's some responsibility that goes along with that, right? Yeah. Or do you rather have the shared kitchen that we'll take care of for you? It'll be an interesting experiment. I'll, I'll let you know next time I'm, you know, in a couple of years really? when you have me back. Well, I love it. I think that's one of the fun things about what's happening now is is the experimentation and you're doing some of the more creative things. I love the the club suite 
idea. It's super interesting. So yes, we'll have to do a follow-up on that one. So I want to hit on, I originally reached out to you. This is kind of off the product mix topic. I was doing some training for my community manager university on Google reviews. And we had all these folks, I was kind of doing a little audit and I was like, oh, no reviews in 2020, (laughs) you know, because it's like, People were so focused on, you know, just dealing with what was happening in the world. And then I was looking for some good examples of who's got some good reviews and what, how are they leveraging them? And I was looking at novel and I was like, what's happening here? There's all this like, we're like ever activity. Chris Elliott. <laughs> People were so like authentic and I love it particularly about, a, you, you've, I think done this unique job of creating a brand that is not traditional co-working in the sense of, you know, you have a professional membership who's there to like get stuff done and make stuff happen. Um, and yet people really, really love your, your space. This, I mean, they love your staff. They love, I thought it was like, Oh, I hope the staff doesn't leave. That's always the worst thing about having staff mentioned in the Google reviews. So you mentioned kind of working with net promoter. I would just love to hear high level, you know, what's your approach to keeping members, um, you know, reviewing the space and sharing and, and yeah, how did they love you so much? Well, thank you for saying that. Um, it's a full-time job, right? So first of all, you have to constantly seek client feedback. And I'm really proud of this at our company. We genuinely listen to what our clients tell us. And I'll give you an example. Um, we do a net promoter score every year. Uh, we started doing it in 2017, 2018, 19, 20, our score is way better than it was in the beginning. And part of that is we do a better job, right? We focus on the client feedback and then we fix it. And this, this, I cannot stress enough. So many organizations ask their clients, how can we do better? And then they do nothing with it. Don't Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. They really don't want to know how to be better. They just want to ask the question because you're supposed to ask the question. Right. They like the way they're doing things. Yeah, they're not really going to change. And I'll tell you, that's something about one of our mottos is work hard, stay humble. And this is truly the biggest way that we that we exhibit humility. And that is we want to know and we will fix it. We ask our clients. So this is the example I was going to give you. We have really great, a really great coffee vendor. They're based in Chicago. The the Chicagoans love them called Dollop. Um, We really like them. And, you know, we asked the question and, and, and we received a couple years ago, some pretty negative feedback on our coffee. We were shocked. We buy $40,000 coffee machines. Right. We do oh, everything yeah, right. Do, right. We were like, what, how can this be? Yeah. So, you know, we went to Dollop and we said, what's happening. And, and anyway, to make a long story short, it happened. There was so much feedback on it. We said, no, okay. No, no matter what we think of this coffee, we have to fix this. And so we did a whole case study with Dollop and we learned that we were buying um, a more mild bean than this rich dark roast bean that they also offer. So we made two changes. We upgraded to the dark roast bold bean um, and we changed our machines from skim milk to whole milk to see if oh that boy. would make a difference. <laughs> oh, it's good. It's I good, Jamie. It's good. <laughs> I mean, all first of all, I'm upset that I didn't think about it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very upset that I didn't think about it. Everything with full fat tastes better. Right. It was a silly, it was silly for us to try to be healthy, right? But but the, the truth is our clients love it. 
and they've given us incredible feedback about it. And so I, I think that's just a, that's a relatable example of even though you are happy with something, you have to be willing to make a change and listen to your clients. And we do, we take every single piece of feedback. We action every single piece of feedback, even if it's to say, and I feel like Southwest Airlines when I say this, but even if it's to say, thank you for your feedback, we're going to keep doing it our way. <laughs> we, we say it, you know, we yeah. listen and it's we email yeah. and we say it. Um, so, and here's another, here's another thing I wanted to point out on this topic. So action, all of your client feedback, ask, listen, and take action no matter what. And then secondly, it's a good trade, right? So our clients need us right now. And our clients have come to us and said, Hey, you know, this happened in my business. And would it be possible if I did this instead, or I can't, I had 10 parking cards and parking is a business for us. And it's, it's a valuable business. I had 10 parking cards and I really only need one. And here's what happened. And, you know, and so we'll say, I totally understand that that happened. Let's do this. Let's get you out of those parking cards. And at the end of the conversation, did we delight you? You know, are you, are you happy with this resolution? And your client is most happy right there, Jamie. They're like, oh my gosh, thank you. I didn't expect this. You, you exceeded my expectations. Please put it in a Google review right? Please go online and tell the rest of our potential clients and our prospects that we did right by you. And they will, they will. So I sort of say to my team, ask for something in return. And that's a great thing to ask for. I love that. And also being intentional about that process, because if you don't train your team to ask in that moment, it will never Mm -hmm. happen. Yeah. Yep. And the risk is when you do that, um, you also teach your client that this is the first place to go when I don't exceed your expectations. Um, and so the second part of that is if we do get something wrong, we will hit that head on. And I make these calls myself. We'll call the client and say, we totally let you down. And I didn't know. I read about it on Google. I didn't oh, know. Yeah. And how can I, how can I fix this? And then at the end of solving their problem, which you always can do right at the end of solving their problems, I'll say now, will you consider taking down that Google review? And a lot of times the client just wants to be heard, you yeah. know, and you heard them. I'm the COO. I called you personally. You have a co-working membership and I called you personally, you know, can we resolve this together? And can you take that down? And they will. So like you said, you have to throw all of your dignity out the window and you have to, you have to ask. I love that. I love, right. I'm going to fix this for you, but we need you to take that. Can you take that down? Even just asking, right? And and if they don't, they don't. And asking in the moment, right, when they feel heard. I um, We had a two-truck plumber issue last week. (laughs) I was outside. I'm like, you know, it's bad when there's two trucks here. Oh, my. Yeah. But they, oh, my gosh, these guys were amazing. You know, they explained everything and they, it involved cameras. Let's just say that. Like, oh, no. But they left. And I immediately, to your point, got a text that said, you know, so-and-so loves working for Katia Plumbing. And he would love it if you left a review about your experience. You know, write huh. my text. And to your point, I was so happy with that guy who fixed I my plumbing problem. I did it immediately and super positive. And other, otherwise, if they didn't ask and if they didn't send it right then, I probably never would have done it, right? I'm busy. I got other things to do. Love them, but opportunity. That's a really, really good point. 
That's a really good point to get them right there. Yeah. yeah. And I, the te- I was like, <laughs> I put, I posted that in one of my groups and somebody said, oh, my dentist does the same thing. And I was like, oh, we need to start text marketing. We cannot have the plumbers and the dentists like ahead of us in. in- Whoever has a good experience at the dentist. That's what I want to know. That's a good point. That's risky. They fix something for you. <laughs> well, if they tell you yeah. have no problems, you're happy. Totally. Oh you God. Five stars yeah. for you, even though you have nothing to do with my the health of my teeth. Right. Um, oh man. That's, and uh, well, I'll say this too about the net promoter score campaign this year. Our score is way up. It's not final. So I can't really give you a number. It might not be right, but I know that it's way up. And I thought, gosh, I, there was a part of me that was considering not even running it because of COVID. Totally. Right. We right? I was like, let's just, let's just take a pass on that. Can this I get out of this? Yeah. And Bill really, you know, he really wanted it to happen. And in his defense, I'm so glad because it went really well, but also we did right by our clients. You know, we, we did. I'm really proud of what we did. It was a tough year and everybody had a tough year, but we, we created resources like our payroll protection plan resources where we taught our clients how to get that money. I don't think other people did that. And we, we get a lot of good props on that in the net promoter score campaign. But the other thing we did is we went door to door. So the community managers are bonused on their net promoter score. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That goes a long way. Um, And so they said, well, gosh, what if the elevator was down and the client was upset about it? And we said, look, then, then that's one piece of feedback, but oh, my phone's ringing, Jamie. Sorry. Um, But also to say, you know, go door to door and talk to all of your clients and say, just like they do when I service my Audi, which I love my car and I love my service department. When I leave, they come out and they say, is there any reason you wouldn't give us five stars right then and there? And if, if I come up with something, they fix it. Well, then you sort of feel like I better give them five stars, you know? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, how can I not? And And that's what we teach to the community managers who, I mean, we truly do have the best team. I can't say enough good things about the community managers. When I think about retiring and and doing something uh, like laying on a beach for the rest of my life, I think about how much I would miss this talented young group of people that just anything's possible, right? And they'll go door to door and they'll knock on the door and they'll say, they'll say, hey, you know, is there any reason why you wouldn't give me a 10? And then we teach them how to, that a nine and a 10 is the only thing that matters in a net promoter score, right? If you get a nine or a 10, you're a promoter. But if you give me an eight because the elevator was down, you're a passive and I don't get credit for that. And you got to tell people, I mean, how many of us give an eight across the board because we just think, I don't really want to be giving this, this review, right? So tell people a nine or a 10 is the only thing that keeps you from being just sort of a, a neutral. And um, my team told me this year that made a big difference. Teaching oh, people bet. that, you know, if you hate us and you give us a one through six, okay, zero through six, you'll ma- you'll have made your point. But, you know. Don't go down the middle, eight, man. Don't go yeah, down the middle. There's yeah. nothing there. <laughs> yep. But to your yeah. point, I feel like that's like almost human nature to be like, eh, eight. Yeah, you know? it's totally and and yeah. that promoter, I wish that promoter gave you credit for an eight as a good thing because you know people get up a lot of eights, but yeah. but that is the difference between somebody who's going to go tell their friends, buy from them, they're amazing, 
and just somebody who's like, it's an office and this is a commodity and this is our business. And, you know, and um, so we did that this year and it, something paid off big and I can't wait to dig into it. But, um, but I, I do think it's, it's that piece of just ask for what you want. Our clients do. Right. Totally. I love that. And teaching your team. And I, 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 if I ask my last question, we are for sure going to run out of time. So I'm going to save it for another episode because I think there's so much interesting that you're doing. I would love to do an entire episode and just talk about your culture and some of the, you know, the yellow backpack and, <laughs> and the, some of the things, th- dive into some of the things that you've talked about today that I think, you know, make a really big difference and, you know, with your team and whatnot. So we'll save it because we won't do it justice if we, if we hit it now. Um, so I'm curious, what are you, what's your outlook on 2021? What are you most excited about or worried about? Oh gosh. What am I worried about? That's a really good question. I'm going to tell you what I'm worried about. I hope I should say this. I'm worried about the floodgates ripping off the hinges and the gates being gone. And I run operations, right? And here's what's really fun that I didn't know about being the COO when I took this job. And that is that operations means everything. Totally. <laughs> right? I'm, a, does, yeah. I'm like, what? How, how is that me? But, you know, I and I'm bossy too. So I think part of this is self-inflicted. But even marketing's building a new website and we're, we're really creating our new brand and who are we? And they're asking these amazing questions about who is expansive and what does the tagline look like? And you know, just so many really thought-provoking messages coming from marketing. We have a new chief marketing officer who is brilliant. I'm just, I feel humbled and honored to be in her presence. She's so smart and she's brand new and everybody's in love already. So it's just total girl power. But anyway, I'm involved in those marketing conversations because e-commerce is how the client journeys from the purchase of the website to to being in the, the center. And so I have to do that and, you know, property and, you know, just, I feel like everything touches operations. So I'm most worried about, I'm trying to rush the rebrand, the center rebrand. And when our clients really come back and they're starting to, especially in the South and in Texas, I mean, they're back, but as our clients come back, I want us to be ready for them. And I want us to do a really good job servicing our clients and welcoming them back and just showing them how delighted we are to have them back. And I don't want minutia to get in the way of that. And I I think it can. I think during COVID, we all we all set out to go spend our time wisely. I mean, we revamped the IT platform and we did all of these things. And now we're still working on those things and our clients are coming back. And I'm like to the rest of the department heads in my company, my clients are back. I gotta go. I gotta go do this other most important part of what we who we are. So that's what I'm most worried about. I'm most excited about um, just normal, you know, having having the clients back, having events, hearing people's stories about how their business survived. And, you know, you if you ask the question, you know, what did your company do that was unique and different during COVID and, and you're here and you made it and how'd you do that? You learn so much. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. Awesome. 
Chris, thanks for, since I recognize you do have many, many things to (laughs) to use your time on every day. Thank you for taking the time out to share, you know, some of your experience and perspective and story with us. We appreciate uh, all that you do to give back. And I know you do a lot in the industry to give back while you're, you know, got a lot of things to be heads down about. So I love it that you find a way to balance that. Yeah. Well, you too, Jamie, thank you for bringing awareness to our industry. I, I think about I can't remember the days when I didn't know you in this industry, but those were days that existed. And I just feel like we have, we're way cooler. You know, I know I say this, but we're just much cooler than we used to be. And flex is people talk about us. And I I have a, a really strong feeling that a lot of that is the awareness that you drive uh, personally through your company and you, and you chain link all of us together too, keeping Mark Gilberth and myself and William Edmondson and Willie and all my client, Michelle and all of us, you know, we stay together because you guys bring us together. So thank you for that. Yeah. Well, we all love to be together. I can't wait until we can actually, (laughs) I was actually having like a vision of what that's going to look like. I think it's going to be dangerous. (laughs) Oh, So many hugs. Speaking of floodgates, right? (laughs) So many hugs and so many cocktails. (laughs) Exactly. Well, until then, thank you, Chris. Thank you, Jamie. Have a great day.